Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. On this episode, we're going to be diving into episodes 446 through 447, which will cover manga chapters 541 through 544. And these episodes are absolutely nuts. And yeah, I can't wait to talk about them. Although this episode will be a little bit shorter because content wise, it's mostly just action scenes. So there's not really too much to dive deeply into. But with that being said, let's get into it. So, Luffy and his gang of misfits begin fighting their way up to the top of Impel Down to escape towards Marineford to save Ace. In tandem, Buggy and his band of misfits are also trying to escape from level 2. With chaos on two fronts, it's up to Magellan and his staff to keep the peace, but a soon to be revealed wild card is about to enter the picture, causing even more chaos. All right, so differences. There actually aren't that many differences in this episode.、Uh, a difference that I did kind of forget to mention last podcast actually is that, and it's kind of addressed here, is the, the scene with the farting manticore is shown in a bit of a flashback. However, they aren't farting, they're just kind of shown lurking around the wax cover. And also, in another slight difference is that in that scene in the anime, Buggy is shown under a wax mound while Gaudino,、uh, or with Gaudino, but in the manga, he's depicted as hiding behind a false wall made of wax. And so that scene is in there. However, it's here at this point in the manga, you actually get to see that scene. But the scene is also very different in that. You just have Galdino kind of hiding under that mound of wax, being surrounded by the manticore, although they're not really farting. And then in the manga, another difference is, is the fact that Buggy is there, but he's hiding kind of up a little higher behind a wax wall. And he's kind of like peeking over down into Galdino as he's surrounded by the manticore. So I forgot to mention that.、Um, the only other difference that I really found, or at least significant difference, was the fact that Luffy actually meets Desbonus. And acknowledges the fact that he's actually never met him because, yeah, he and Zoro all basically just fought by themselves over in the other, you know, the other part of town. And Luffy never actually met Mr. One. And so, yeah, this, this kind of、uh, meeting, I guess, is, is an interesting one that they added in the anime. This actually doesn't happen in the manga. And so, really. In the manga, Luffy never actually meets Mr. One, or at least never properly introduces himself. But those are all the changes that I really could find, just those two, really. So let's just get into the episodes themselves. Things start off with absolute chaos and impel down from two fronts as Buggy and Galdino make their moves with the Blue Gory forces moving down to stop Luffy. They release all the level two inmates while, while Luffy and everyone keep their rampage on level four, continuing up to the top. It's not long before Ivankov and the rest of the group catch up to Luffy, Crocodile, and Jinbei. Something that never really occurred to me that is kind of addressed in the manga is that Luffy has never actually met Dasbonus, which we mentioned in the differences section. I mean, there's really no significance to that, but I just thought this scene was really interesting. They then just go on a tear through level four as we get to see all of them doing their. Thing, and that montage of each of the major characters attacking was pretty damn cool. But Ivankov, as is usually the case, takes the cake as they can use their hormones to enlarge their head and just mow through armies of guards while blasting them with death winks. And 
<laughs> this has got to be one of the most ridiculous attacks in One Piece. And that's saying something. Like, how strong are these eyelids on Ivankov? How does one even train their eyelids to do something like that? It is so funny. And just the the imagery of Ivankov's giant head just kind of like mowing through people like a big ass bulldozer is so it's so ridiculous, but it's so funny at the same time. And that's not even the craziest thing to happen in this episode is we get the shock and reveal and the sudden appearance of Blackbeard and his crew at the entrance of Impel Down. This reveal was pretty mind blowing. And yeah, ascending, it sent, I remember, everyone's collective hype meter through the roof, at least mine, and some of the, the perception that I got from the internet at the time. It's not clear why he's there yet, but it definitely isn't good. But the obvious thing on everyone's mind is what is going to happen when he and Luffy meet up once again. Mind you, Luffy has no knowledge of who Blackbeard really is apart from their brief and contentious meeting on Jaya. So Luffy has no idea that Blackbeard is a Shibukai, and more importantly, he has no idea that Blackbeard was the reason Ace is in this situation in the first place. Although I guess I should say he knows Blackbeard is the reason that Ace is in there. He just doesn't know that Teach is Blackbeard. And I remember being really excited to see what Luffy would do when he found out. But also, you knew that currently Luffy doesn't stand a chance against Blackbeard, especially if Ace couldn't beat him. He doesn't stand a chance. And immediately Blackbeard is already showing his true strength and terrifying nature of his yummy yummy powers. And to add to the chaos even more, Magellan decides to introduce another wild card into the mix by releasing Shiryu to deal with Blackbeard. But that decision most, almost immediately backfires on him as Shiryu just cuts down all the guards. Shiryu is such an interesting character. Even to this day, he intrigues me as... I know so little about him. He works for the Marines, but he's clearly evil. And and unlike some of the other Marines, he's not even like unabashedly like, you know, trying to hide it. He's just evil. And, you know, unlike a decent number of the villains in One Piece, I feel like Shiryu is one of those very few that are just pure evil and chaos. Like even some of the other Marines like the Vice Admirals or even like Kizaru, or I guess to a certain extent, like even some of the other ones, you get the sense that they're they're more neutral, yet kind of on the side of corruption. They're not like pure evil. They're just kind of like following an established structure. But Shiryu and like a couple other Marines are just clearly evil. And I think Shiryu is probably one of the more extreme examples of that. And it's very clear from his character design, his voice, the way he acts, how he talks. He's just trouble all over. And you just knew he wasn't going to help Magellan and instead use this opportunity to escape himself. But I was not actually prepared for what he actually ended up doing, which I'm not going to spoil because we'll find out in a few more episodes. And I always felt like Oda gave Shiryu a bit more attention and significance at this moment but at the same time, he's left a lot about him very much a mystery. And I just know that there's something with this character, but Oda has yet to reveal what he really intends to do with this character because there's just too much buildup here with him, not just here, but even throughout the rest of the series. But yeah, Shiryu has always just been a really like 
I don't know. He's like been an itch in my side that I can't quite itch. Like he's just there and I want to know more about him. But Oda doesn't really like dive into him too much. Anyways, it's not long before Sadie and her demon guards show up to put a stop to the riot. And one realization I had while watching this part is that seeing Luffy among Crocodile and Jinbei just beat up the demon guards in like one shot made me realize that Luffy is pretty much on par with some of the Shibukai. Maybe not the upper echelon of the Shibukai like Mihawk, Kuma, or Doflamingo, but he can certainly hang with the mid to low ends for sure, which is saying a lot in terms of how Luffy has, how far he's come on his journey. In the next scene, we get a pretty funny moment with Buggy and Galdino along with the other escapees of level 2. And while this is mild spoilers, but this is kind of the beginning of the whole Buggy failing upwards trend. <laughs> of course, you could kind of count his initial like accidentally eating the barabara fruit his first failing upward moment but from here on out we get this sort of hilarious trend of buggy gaining in some fashion or or narrowly escaping stuff just due to sheer dumb luck or people misinterpreting the situation and this next scene falls into the latter category as people misconstrue buggy's random orders as genius because Buggy starts to gain this unearned influence and notoriety from people, and it just keeps snowballing. And it's probably one of the funnier gags or things to happen. And it gets even funnier as this progresses throughout the story. And this is kind of the start of it, I feel like. And in this same scene, we get a translator's note as well, as the the inmates are all looking to Buggy for how they're going to get out of the situation. And Buggy says, Waxed do? And to which Galdino hears wax and then comes up with his own plan. <laughs> and obviously this gets misconstrued as Buggy's plan. However, in English, this almost makes no sense whatsoever because, you know, this is a misheard word, wordplay. Um, and so kind of to explain it in, in how it's contextualized in Japanese. So in Japanese, Buggy is trying to say, dousuru, like, as in, like, what do you want me to do, or do what, is what it translates to in that scenario. Kind of in response to everyone asking Buggy what the next steps are. And his quote-unquote genius plans are, you know, what what could they be? And they're kind of asking him, what should we do? And Buggy's like, dosuru, like, what? Um... But because he's so flustered, it comes out kind of slurred, and he in, in, inadvertently says do suru with an R, and he mi he mispronounces do as do, and do is wax in Japanese. So Galdino hears do suru, and then he hears the ro part, and he puts the dots together for him. And I think if they wanted to make it a little like make it a little more sense, what they could have translated it to is like do wax like I guess that really doesn't make much sense either but that way they could have at least be mis misinterpreted and mispronounced what as wax which isn't perfect either but at least it makes a little bit more sense in my opinion but that's just me um but more importantly this recalls that that earlier tease of how they might be able to make you know viable strategy against Magellan and how they can combine attacks with Gaudino's Doro Doro wax powers to create a sort of armor that he made for Luffy's attack when he did the Tonkachi rifle or the uh, hammer rifle. And yeah, it kind of pays off that sort of setup from earlier. 
Meanwhile, we finally get to see more of Blackbeard and his crew in action, and God, I love hearing Blackbeard's laugh. It's so iconic at this point, but before they get any further, they run into Shiryu, and there's so much going on at once. I don't know how Oda ever manages to keep track of so many characters and so many story threads going on at once, and this isn't really even the first time he does it, or the last time, and so, you know, it's it's it can... It can be a lot, but for how much there is going on, it never really feels overwhelming to the reader or viewer. At least it doesn't to me. And yeah, this is a matchup that is really interesting because we don't quite know how strong Shiryu is, but everyone keeps talking like he's super strong, like comparing him on equal footing to Magellan and even being able to stand up to Shibukai. But the fact of the matter is this guy seems so shady, he might not even actually help at all. And I was, I, like I said, insanely suspicious of Shiryu. And unfortunately, we have to wait even longer for this situation to resolve. But we also get Ivankov going one-on-one with Sadie. And I only bring this fight up because we get to see the female Ivankov as as she or they uh, inject themselves with the hormone to, to transition. And more importantly, I laughed way too hard at the joke where he or she mourns one of the falling camp comrades, but the dude gets up and says, I- I'm not dead yet. <laughs> and it's just stupid jokes you know, like this. But for some reason, it's played so straight, I can't help but laugh. Also, I guess I should take this op- opportunity to kind of correct a mistake. I think, so in the last couple episodes, I referred to like characters that have transitioned from male to female or female to male as transgender but that's actually incorrect so those people who actually go through physical changes are transsexual and those who identify as not their biological sex are transgender and so so yeah Ivankov right now as well as Inazuma and that um, weird prisoner from the earlier portion of Ivankov's introduction those three all go through um, transitions to, so they're transsexuals, not transgender. So I just wanted to correct that mistake from past couple episodes. So moving on, the majority of episode 446 is taken up by the fight between Hanyabo and Luffy. And if you could even call it that, as Hanyabo kind of gets his ass handed to him in a beatdown. Although admirably, he keeps getting up and fighting, which is actually a, a really cool sort of development with Hanyabal's character. However, as inconsistent as power scaling is in One Piece, uh, and I'm not saying that I care about that stuff for the most part, but it is rather impressive how Hanyabal can withstand multiple gear second moves, including Jet Gatling, which is the move that finished on Luchi. So he's either really durable or that move, either Luffy is just kind of still weak from his sort of poison ordeal. But yeah, I found that a little, <laughs> it stuck out to me a little bit. Um, but again, power scaling is never all that consistent in One Piece, so it's best not to dwell on it too much. Although I personally never liked Hanyabo, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone if you've been listening to me for the last like few episodes. I found his gag to be annoying and not very likable. But again, you gotta admire his tenacity here, standing up to Luffy over and over, even if he stands no chance. But, unfortunately for Hanyabal, he won't be able to see this through as we get the moment we've all been anxiously waiting for. 
the face-to-face meeting of Marshall D. Teach and Monkey D. Luffy. As Teach just like comes in and slams Hanyabo's face into the ground. Um, I kind of feel sorry for Hanyabo at this moment, <laughs> to be honest. But holy shit, this moment hits so much harder than I remember it, that it did all the way back in 2010. Especially that shot of Luffy walking up to Blackbeard. And they're sort of like hunched over staring at each other. You know, with Luffy finally connecting the dots that this is the man and the reason that Ace is in danger and saying, you're Blackbeard. And not only that, but he learns here that Ace was caught protecting Luffy from uh, from Blackbeard as well. And this new revelation definitely has an effect on Luffy, who's already kind of in a fragile state of mind, given all that he's been through over the course of the last week or so in, in the story. He immediately attacks with a full-on gear second Gomu Gomu no Jet pistol, laying Blackbeard out in another one of Luffy's more satisfying punches. And you know that punch hurt Blackbeard due to his inverse ability from the Yami Yami no Mi, where he not only can't avoid damage like other Logia fruits, but he absorbs the pain even more so. And yeah, you think about it for a second though, Luffy has already lost his crew because of his inability and weakness. And now he comes to find out that his brother felt like he needed to step in to save him. And now again, because of his sort of perceived weakness, Ace is now about to be taken from him as well. And I know Luffy, for the most part, is a very positive and forward-facing guy that doesn't let much get, get to him. But deep down, you know that that thought has kind of creeped into his mind at some point. Now, since this episode is uh, a bit on the shorter side, because that's where the episode ends, so we don't actually get to dive deep into this fight. Um, But one thing I'd like to take some time to mention that many people always bring up during this arc is, where is Arlong? (laughs) Because that is one of those villains that was captured early on, and we never actually see Arlong again for a little while. And... This is actually a thought that even I had in the past as well when we got to Impel Down. We saw all these villains return, and I thought, whoa, where's Arlong? And Oda has never actually revealed what happened, at least to my knowledge. And beyond Hachi mentioning that Arlong, Kurobi, and Chu were arrested by the Marines on that day, Luffy and the Straw Hats defeated them in Arlong Park. And he is... Oda has also never mentioned where he is in a cover story or even mentioned it in an SBS... But yeah, that being said, it my thought is it seems reasonable that Arlong, since he was arrested and thrown in prison while in the East Blue, I think he was basically just kept there in in the East Blue. He was he was arrested and captured there, so and based on his power level and his threat level, I mean he was only what, twenty million at the time? And so the Marines probably felt it wasn't worth it to transport him all the way to the middle of the Grand Line to impel down. Because he wasn't that big of a threat. Now, whether you agree with that or not, that's up to you. Um, there's also a, a theory online that's a lot more horrific that, that people have brought up that I also could see as a possibility was that he's been taken as a slave by the Celestial Dragons, which, you know, that's good comeuppance. But at the same time, I don't know. I don't even think Arlong deserves that kind of a fate, to be honest, because, man, the Celestial Dragons are just horrific to their slaves. But yeah, I thought I'd kind of address that since we had a little bit of time. 
But in closing, yeah, there wasn't much to really sink into with these episodes as it was for the most part filled with mostly just action beats, but it sure gave us some insane moments with the joining of forces with Ivankov, Crocodile, Jinbei, as well as the anxiously awaited second meeting of Luffy and Blackbeard. It's just too bad we'll have to wait till the next podcast to really dive into this meeting. But anyways, if you did enjoy this, send me a like or comment. And if you want to join me on this journey of rewatching One Piece, please consider subscribing. Check out my Twitter and Instagram account at Podcast for updates of when I post new episodes. And as always, I wanted to thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. I have a mid-sized spoiler section, so stay tuned for that if you're interested. But if not, stay safe out there, and I hope to see you on the next episode. Bye! Alrighty, so spoiler section. Again, like all spoiler sections, these are mostly unscripted and just me rambling. But, yeah, looking back on these episodes, it's really crazy and fun to see Blackbeard's plan kind of unfold after seeing what he was aiming for now that he's, you know, in the position he's in at the current moment, um, which is chapter 1095 as of the recording of this. And, yeah, it's also... You know, in stark contrast to how Luffy is doing things when at the same time, he's basically like a dark mirror of Luffy. You know, we'll learn more about Blackbeard's true intention here at Impel Down a little later. But while Blackbeard is taking sort of the the long con to an extreme, it also still seems like he's constantly taking shortcuts to sort of achieve his dreams. And like Luffy, he starts off with just four other crew members then grows it from there. However, Blackbeard basically gets the rest of his entire crew here in Impel Down with, you know, San Juan Wolf, Katarina Devon, Shiryu, um, a couple people that whose names are escaping me at the moment. But yeah, he basically matches Luffy's eventual crew size with the, the 10, uh, along with, you know, getting, you know, along with the crew that he's already got. And similarly, with his sort of massive power-up later, as he just steals Whitebeard's fruit and doubles his own power. But on the other hand, like, Luffy had to train for two years to get his power up after the conflict of Marineford. And this dynamic between Teach and Luffy, of sort of the Dark Mirror version of, you know, him, was set up so well in their brief intro on Jaya, particularly the ridiculous cherry pie scene. Like, it seems stupid and it seems really silly, but it captures their dynamics so well. Like you saw that they behave very similar, but have completely different philosophies and tastes and and, and sort of personalities. And that that comes across so well in their reaction to the pie and the food at the tavern. Like they're they react the same, but their reactions are opposite, if that makes any sense. And again, Teach is such a like such a good inverse of Luffy. I, I don't quite know how to explain it that well, but yeah. It'll it's I'm very curious to see what Blackbeard actually ends up being at the end when all is said and done. Blackbeard is gonna be a very interesting character study, especially in comparison to Luffy's character when when it's done. And I know Emu and the world government is set up to be the ultimate endgame bad guy, but this rivalry between Blackbeard and Luffy has been set up so damn well with their primary fruits being basically opposites of each other. Blackbeard's yummy yummy darkness fruit versus the literal sun god fruit. Basically boiling down to your prototypical light versus dark conflict. 
Not to mention the similarities in their crew com- compositions as well as which you know which will set up for some amazing one-on-one straw hat versus blackbeard battles later on and yeah I, I, it's just interesting to see this initial meeting between luffy and blackbeard and it, because you yes akainu is the one that basically puts the finishing blow on ace but you could argue that blackbeard is the main reason why ace is where he is and what happens to him Anyways, again, that was mostly just me rambling about how much I like Blackbeard and sort of his place in the story. <laughs> so there's really not much analysis or anything to what I just said. But if you found that interesting, thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, I'll see you on the next episode. 